every so often you'll see a, like it's clickbait, but it says something that sparks something in me that I go, I want that to be true. Mm. I want that to be true. And I've, I've sort of learned that when my response is, oh, I want that to be true because it will make my position stronger or it will make another position that I disagree with weaker or whatever the case might yeah. be. I've learned to start asking, okay, <laughs> Is that post-truth? Yeah. Because, boy, I've had a really strong reaction to that. And, and what am I bringing into it? And what space? am I bringing into it? And often i found that in those moments, it's been fake news. Mm. It, it has actually hasn't been accurate. It's been clickbait. Welcome to the GBC Big Three Podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions from our Sunday sermon raised by our PM congregation. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and joining us again as my co-host today and British counterpart is Mark Coleman. Mark, you're actually bringing the word to us this coming Sunday. How goes the prep? It's going all right. (laughs) I was just, I was pausing to think about being your British counterpart and what the implications of that are, but... There are none. Just embrace it. Just... Just take it for what it is, the love that it that it holds. <laughs> and finally, our preacher from Sunday, the Rev Raider. Mark, I'm not sure if you are aware, but the most voted question from Sunday, it stemmed from your application where you suggested that if we are to be whole life learners, then we should start by identifying one thing, one area, one idea that we want to learn about God and then... Ask someone, someone that we think knows something about it. Ask them out for coffee and have a chat. Um, But I guess within our community, some people questioned whether or not your reason for using that application was to just get a week of free coffees out of everyone. (laughs) What say you? Well, I mean, that's based on the assumption that I would have enough to say that people would approach me and ask to take me out for a cup of coffee, like which I think is a little rich. And frankly, I haven't had a single invitation. So <laughs> that was know. my question. <laughs> so I'm buying my own coffee, really. So <laughs> whatever motivation I did have, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Okay, no worries. Well, here's your coffee anyway. <laughs> um, well, this week, Mark spoke on our new value of being whole life learners as a part of our series called The Crux of Community. You can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. But today, as always, we'll be looking at the three big questions submitted through Slido at our evening congregation. So let's get into the big three. Well, Mark, you opened up your sermon on Sunday by speaking about I guess the inconceivable nature of God. You know, he is far too big, too vast, too deep for us to ever fully comprehend. We can know parts of God's character and experience parts of his character, but we'll never know the whole picture. And I mean, that's right, that's true, that's biblical, but I guess it does create a tension for us then. I mean, that's what our first question kind of stems out of. If we can never have a full understanding of God, then how do we speak with any sense of certainty or authority to the world about God? Well, I mean, I think that there's uh, there's a couple of edges to it. I mean, I think we need to recognize kind of what percentage, shall we say, mm. of fullness we have. And so, you know, in the New Testament, Paul talks about the fact that Christ in Christ dwells the fullness of God. Mm. And, and so while we... So that doesn't kind of 
that doesn't get us to 100% fullness. It gives us a very, very clear depiction of, of who God is. And so I think that there's, we have been given enough, shall I say, to, uh, to, to speak with confidence about who God is based on the character of Jesus in particular, mm. but also whatever we find in the rest of Scripture. So I think that we have been given enough to, to speak of that with confidence. I think that um, the, the other part of it for me rests in that humility piece, right? It's very easy for us, I think, as Christians, particularly if you've been you know, in one denomination or one church for your whole life yeah. or for a long time, to end up assuming, and it's usually an unquestioned assumption. We don't sit there and, and say to ourselves, yes, we know everything there is to know about God. Mm. But we can often kind of assume that our expression of truth, our expression of what it means to follow Jesus is the expression of truth. And I think we, we need to be aware that very often, you know, last week in, in the podcast when we talked about predestination, mm. you know, it was kind of part of that, you yeah. know, predestination and what it's based upon and other views that differ from it are essentially picking up particular characteristics of God and really focusing on some of the implications of them. So we have to be aware of, you know, how we go about describing God and making sure that we're not as dogmatic as we sometimes can appear, you know, yep. this is what God is yep. like. Anyone Absolutely. who says different is wrong. It's like, well, we need to be kind of across some of that stuff. Mm. So I, I think we do have enough in Christ in particular to be able to speak confidently about who God is. Yeah. Mark, how do you see this working for us? I think um, when I was reflecting on that, I feel like that whole posture of being a whole life learner is actually a really important first step in, in kind of a, in even in answering this question, because, you know, as Mark talked about, um, it's very easy to go, oh, you're not from my particular camp, and so I'm going to dismiss what you have to say and all of those sorts of things. But but I think I was reflecting in terms of knowing, understanding. Like, people have written PhDs on very specific topics, and when they're asked to speak at conferences, they're asked to speak on that PhD topic. Mm. They're not then asked to speak on something they never studied. And yeah. I think, like... To a certain extent, in a kind of diluted sense, perhaps you may not have written a PhD, but um, but you may have a particular experience or understanding of God when it comes to prayer, or mm. you might have a particular kind of specialism in in preaching or whatever it might be. And so, um, you know, when people ask you questions about that, then you have an opportunity to kind of answer from your experience in a particular area mm. and say, maybe I don't know much about something I don't know so much about. Yeah, and I think that our individual experiences of God can be very, very powerful shapers yeah. of our knowledge and understanding of God. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about, you know, in the message about the, the five different ways that, or five different aspects of our, our commonalities, rather, in our mm -hmm. discipleship, uh, taken from um, Andy Stanley's book, Deep and Wide, mm -hmm. you know, where he talks about personal devotions and practical teaching and Service opportunities are the st moments of stepping out in faith, those spiritual relationships, and then going through hard times. And, and while those, I think, resonate with lots of people, you know, you talk to people and go, yeah, that sounds about like I could probably identify something in each of those areas. My unique set of that shapes my experience of God mm. uh, in terms of my how my personality, how my character interacts with spiritual practices, for instance, or how uh, the difficult times in my life and when they occurred and who spoke into them, did I have key relationships at that point in time, or was it practical teaching that helped me get through those times? So uh, all that stuff creates very unique, very different experiences of God, mm -hmm. which shape the way we speak about Him. And, and I think that we can't discount that, 
But again, we want to kind of be comparing it ultimately to to, to what the Bible tells us about Jesus and uh, and, yeah. and the, the revelation that we have of Him. In there. And I think that's the tension that a lot of people sit within, right? It's hey, I've had these experiences, these maybe revelations of who God is, but does that give me authority to speak into that space? Mm. How 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 do we test that? You know, I, you can understand the the hesitation to then kind of say, well, I've got the answers about this. Yeah, and, and we need to be aware of how our personal experiences with God shape our understanding of mm. who God is. But we, you know, as Protestants, and I suppose as broadly evangelical, although that word is becoming less and less meaningful and positive in our society, <laughs> but as those who, you know, have founded our understanding of God on the Bible, we, will, we always want to go back to the Word and go, okay, how does my experience of God line up with what I find mm. in Scripture? Making Scripture and its revelation a priority yeah. over and above my own experience of God. And I think that's a helpful way to kind of to engage w- with that a little bit. Um, and, and also, I think when we're aware of how our experiences of God have shaped our understanding of Him, we are better able to say, this has been my experience, yeah. and this is how it shaped my understanding of God, rather than speaking about my experience as if it's this divine revelation, and this mm. is how you must also experience yeah. God, and mm. all of those sorts And of I guess things. that's where the humility comes Absolutely. into yeah. it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Well, yeah. I said it first. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, it's a little testing. <laughs> Not really. So, Mark, as we seek to learn, our first point of call obviously is God. We can learn directly from Him from scriptures, through worship and prayer, through those experiences that we have of Him that we've spoken about already. But you also mentioned in your sermon on Sunday that, you know, we have a multitude of of wisdom and experience in the room within the community that we're a part of, not just here at GBC, but the wider church, and that we should seek out guidance and that wisdom from those within our community. But when misinformation can lead to manipulation, how do we really trust the experiences or the words of those that we have sought out to learn from? Mm, and I, I think you know the misinformation piece is really quite critical for us because it's become a more and more pressing issue, right? Mm. So you, you hear about misinformation campaigns, uh, you hear about you know describing our culture as a post-truth culture where the facts are not as important as how we feel about the facts. Yeah. We see the implications then of people who have been fed misinformation or just mm. outright lies uh, that is either propaganda or whatever it might be, right? Mm. So we know the importance of this. On top of which, of course, is is how easily accessible information is. Yeah. Right, so you can find just about any anyone, sorry, just about anything has somebody who's advocating for it somewhere, mm-hmm. and you can find it. And once you get into those little, you know, they talk about online filter bubbles and whatnot, you end up in a bubble, and that's all you hear. It reinforces your thinking, and you think that everyone believes the same thing, and off you kind of go. So the question is is a is a really significant one mm-hmm. for us, uh, I think, in, in our society and culture. How how do we know? what sources of information are trustworthy? Yeah. And I think so it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and I think that there's a, there's a couple of things that I would probably say in relationship to that. One of them is, you know, the, kind of the, the, I guess, basics about trying to find trustworthy and reliable information, right? Mm. So, you know, when I think about 
you know, academics, for instance, right? Um, they often talk about the difference between peer-reviewed research and just stuff that people wrote, Yeah. right? And the whole basis is that if other people in the same industry or the same field have reviewed the work, even if they don't agree with it, there's a, there's a greater level of reliability around it, right? And so I think this, the same thing is true with just about anything. You don't want to be looking just for mainstream ideas, but you want to be asking who else is saying what I'm hearing, are those sources reliable? Like, do a, do a little bit of digging. I think we, de- we have to take responsibility for determining the credibility of some of the sources we find. We, we have to take responsibility for that. And, you know, you just do a little bit of Google searching, and you know, I know that that's kind of ironic, but, you know, nonetheless, <laughs> you know, to do a little bit of work just to find out who this is, asking other people, hey, I read this book by such and such an author. Have you ever heard of them? You know, and if you ask four or five pastors of those in church leadership and none of them have ever heard of them, maybe it's a brand new book. Yeah. Or maybe you should just be a little bit careful with that, for instance. And I, and I think I think that kind of the responsibility part for us also leads to to being a little bit critical in the best sense, in the sense of asking the questions about what we're hearing or reading or listening to and just kind of going, okay. What what would be the other side of the argument? Yeah. Right? And, and one of the things I think has struck me, particularly about post-truth, because I've caught myself a handful of times. I'm not sure how much misinformation and fake news I have on my social media stream, not that I'm all that engaged with it. But every so often, you'll see a like it's clickbait, but it says something and it sparks something in me that I go, I want that to be true. Mm. I want that to be true. And I've, I've sort of learned that when my response is, oh, I want that to be true, mm. because it will, it, will, it will make my position stronger or it will make another position that I disagree with weaker or whatever the case might yeah. be, I've learned to start asking, okay, <laughs> is, is that post-truth, yeah. because boy, I've had a really strong reaction to that. And, and what am I bringing into And what am space? I bringing into it? And often I've found that in those moments, it's been fake news. Mm. It, it has actually hasn't been accurate. It's been clickbait yeah. uh, in, in the worst possible way. Yeah. Coleman, how do you see this playing out? Uh, that's a really helpful thing Mark was talking about, just about being aware of the kind of your internal thermometer in response to yeah. stimulus, I guess. I was thinking, what's the kind of, what's a guaranteed way of preventing yourself from kind of making a hasty decision and that is just the simple act of pausing Mm. and like if we just pause we take a second when we hear a piece of information we read a piece of information and we kind of go okay what's the motive who's writing this and we we pause and we ask a few questions of that i think that we can protect ourselves from those kind of rushed and hurried responses and i think that culture and society and kind of how we live at the moment um can artificially push us into that place of thinking oh i've got to make a decision right now about that um and and therefore and often and not always but often the hurried decision is not the wisest decision Mm. and and so that that pause i think accompanied with prayer and kind of reflection on that alongside all of the things that mark's mentioned are a really helpful way of you know stopping us from getting too far down too quickly yeah we can often i think end up seeking to learn in very individualistic ways mm. and i think one of the best ways to uh, to undo that a little bit is to make sure we're asking people like what do you you know not that everyone does this but what are you reading you know or what yeah. do you what podcasts are you listening to or like and just kind of and then reading some of that stuff i think that's really quite helpful so that you're 
And that's part of what I was getting at in the message. Mm. If there's something that I want to learn, I need to ask other people. I can't just go and fare away at my own little path of research. I need to be asking, what do you know about this? And who knows what will be exposed by that? Mm. And then I think the other piece is that we also need to be aware that sometimes engaging with those who disagree with us particularly in a safe kind of way. You know, like you think about reading books. I mean, I don't know if there's anything safer than reading the books because mm. the person's not there if you disagree with them. It's, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I find that really helpful. Mm. But I do recognize that I had to overcome an internal dialogue that kind of went, these people are wrong and this is dangerous. Mm. And if I'm dabbling with things, if I'm reading stuff that's different, then I'm in danger. And, and, and I've learned to go, okay... I think I, I know enough about what I believe. And I think there are times when if you're, if you're reading too widely or dabbling with fringe ideas, particularly if you're young in your faith, that mm. can be really unhelpful. But there comes a time when engaging with other perspectives can be quite useful to kind of push back or to help you understand how other people see things as mm. well. And I think what I love hearing as you guys kind of unpack this is once again, we're seeing multiple of our values work together you know Mm, mm. taking that moment to pause to be on purpose to Mm. consider to reflect you know being generous and big-hearted with people so that you know if they do disagree with us if they throw out a different idea that we can in a safe way have that conversation but also be generous with what we've come to know and sharing that with others i love that there's this unity with our values and how they work together and even with my preparations for others focused this sunday Mm. i can see you know some of the themes that we've talked about coming up in my prep for that too sounds like a good sign Our final question is probably the one I'm most excited about. The second I saw it come up on Sunday night, I upvoted it instantly. So I'm really excited to hear your both of your reflections on this. And our final question is this. What are the signs that you've stopped learning? Well, <laughs> do you still have a pulse? <laughs> I mean, I think that, like, there's a part of me that thinks it's almost it's almost impossible not to not to be learning something in the midst of life. But I think that, I mean, it, it obviously is. I think it's, I think things that inhibit learning are things like arrogance, mm. you know, where we just kind of assume, ah, there's nothing more for me to learn in this. I've learned it all, or I know enough. You know, I think the dangers that I spoke about briefly on Sunday and spoke about in the first week about um, when we compare ourselves with those around us rather mm-hmm. than with a, a higher standard of mm-hmm. some sort of degree, we can end up kind of settling a little bit and just kind of going, oh, I'm, I'm average and that's okay. But I, I mean, I think the things that indicate that you've stopped learning are like, can you, <laughs> if I asked you, what have you learned recently? Could you tell me anything? Mm. <laughs> right. And if you can't answer that, well, then you haven't learned anything (laughs) or you haven't been paying attention, right? You haven't been paying attention to what you're learning. And I think, I think one of the, the, you know, we haven't really talked about this and we're not really talking about educational theory and all that sort of stuff, but reflection, you know, kind of the extension of the pause that Mark talked about that moment of reflection to reflect on. So what have I, what have I learned in this interaction? What have I learned in this situation? What have I learned from this book or this podcast or this blog or this sermon or this Bible study and just pausing and what have I learned can actually be a really helpful way mm. for us to identify what we're learning. Yeah. Cause sometimes we just miss 
learning points, and, mm. and they don't get embedded more deeply into into our lives. But I guess if I can go a little bit deeper on that, mm. um, kind of what you were talking about before with post-truth is that we can find ourselves going down the rabbit hole, so to speak, of just reinforcing our own ideas and what we believe to be right. Um, so there can definitely be an experience of believing that we're learning, but we're just reinforcing what we already know. Mm. And so I guess I wonder, what are the signs for someone who thinks that they're learning but may not actually be growing in their learning. Coleman, do you have any ideas on that? I totally agree with Mark on the the kind of arrogance point. And I think that really plays to the deeper question in that Mm. is because you can become absolutely caught up in reinforcing your own ideas and so satisfied with what you think you already know. And Mark talked about that. And your kind of arrogance looks backwards Mm. and says, look what I've learned, look what I know, (laughs) and and has no time to look forward. But I think kind of within that, that space, when you stop listening when you stop asking kind of clarifying questions then i think there's like a that that's the kind of signs of arrogance and i think mm-hmm. there's also a kind of complacency that's wrapped up within that as well and i i was i was kind of thinking okay how does this outwork and i think that quite often you know if you're in that deeper place of not learning anymore that particularly when it comes to faith, how that is lived out becomes very programmatic, I think. And you kind of go through the motions and you end up sort of doing the sorts of things that you've kind of done. And Mm. I think the danger in that is that we slip into rules and regulations for faith and it's kind of Mm. religion. And it's actually not this relational um, faith that we believe God invites us into. And, And interestingly... Like I would say that that is one of the conversations I've had most frequently with those who are, you know, 30, 40, 50 years down the Mm. line into their faith. And they've kind of, they often get to a point, not always, and and some people have a vibrant and alive Mm. faith at those years. But I have had many conversations with older people who said, I've got to a point of going, I'm not quite sure why I'm doing this anymore. Mm. And often that can be about living out faith from just that that place of rule and regulation. And that's not to say that there isn't uh, a benefit in kind of doing the things that we've done. Spiritual mm-hmm. practices and, and disciplines and soul-shaping exercises are are important. But, but we've got to keep coming back to this relationship. And that's not just with God, but that's doing that amongst community. And that means that we invite that communal learning as well. I agree with that, Mark. And on, I think to kind of go a little bit further in terms of the learning, I think the questioning is really important. And, and if I can take issue with something you mentioned earlier, you know, mm. some, we, so even the reinforcement of what we believe can be learning. The, the question is whether yeah. it's valuable for us, right? Yeah, I think that's, so, it's, you know, so I think you can be learning in that space. But I think that, you know, the questions, are we asking questions? Is, mm. is anything sparking our curiosity, really? Mm. And, and if we're not curious about anything, then we're not particularly interested in learning. And yeah. so, you know, that, that, that central question of, so like, why? Mm. You know, and, and sometimes we need to be nudged a little bit. You know, as you say, Mark, we can become quite complacent over time and, you know, be asking, you know, so where do you have questions? That's a great place to start learning, right? Mm. Where do you still have questions, you know, or where are the most pressing questions that you've never come back to because you were afraid of the outcome? Because mm. there's a little bit of risk in learning, yeah. right? You know, I think that's the, the challenge of, you know, reinforcing your own opinions or actually being a little bit more open. Uh, there's a little bit of risk in learning. Who knows where you'll end up? Mm. when you actually go down the path of learning. So we need to be aware of some of those things. But, uh, you know, I think it's, 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 a, it's a tricky thing to quantify. 
You know, yeah. have you stopped learning? I don't know. Because there are seasons in our lives as well, right? Yeah, there are seasons absolutely. in our lives. You know, so there are times when you feel like, oh, okay, I think I've just not mastered this skill or this competency or whatever it is, but I'm kind of enjoying the fruit of having learned it. Mm. And I'm not real keen on <laughs> disrupting what <laughs> yeah. I've just figured out. Like, let's just give me a minute. But there are times when how long does that last mm. before you're actually learning something else? Yeah. And I think if you're in that space of, you know, a genuine fear of I don't know whether I've stopped learning Mm. then you're probably not you probably Mm. haven't Mm. but a good response to that is you know wake up each day and pray the prayer you know God help me be curious today Mm. yeah and I think what a great way to I guess end on I think if we're going to be whole life learners it starts with curiosity we do follow a God who is so big so vast so deep there's so much to learn let's be curious about that Mm. Well, gents, thanks so much for your thoughts and reflections today. I loved it. If you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure you're there at our 6 p.m. service on Sundays and that you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big 3 podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Thanks for joining us for this week's Big 3 and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.